Thank you, choir and Monty, for that wonderful anthem. Come by here, Lord, and listen. Somebody in the marketing department at Verizon Wireless was obviously raised in a family like mine. Christmas was always wonderful at the Dean household. We never lacked for anything, but my parents never broke the bank either, if you know what I mean. The only time I can remember getting walkie-talkies for Christmas, I spent the day asking, can you hear me now? And the answer was usually, I said, can you hear me now, Philip? I'd run out into the yard, so I came back into the kitchen. Can you hear me now? They ran back through the living room. Can you hear me now? Yes, Philip said, and I can see you too. We're standing in the same room. We might as well have just had two Campbell's soup cans and a very long string, you know? Can you hear me now has been a proverbial question at least as long as there have been bad walkie-talkies on the market for Christmas. But the question I want to invite you to ask today is, can I hear you? Can I hear you now? There may be no better gift that you can offer the world than listening. I really mean that, listening. How many times have you had good news to tell good news or bad news or even a little titillating gossip and you just could not wait to find a set of ears to hear it. She's pregnant, have you heard? I got the new job. Guess, guess who's having an affair? And when there's breaking news, it's not enough just to hear it. How long was it after you heard JFK had been assassinated before you said, have you heard? Or if you're not quite that old, whom did you tell and when, when you learned that President Reagan had been shot or that the market had crashed on that black Monday in 1987 or the Challenger had gone down? When you heard about the planes and the Twin Towers, how long could you hold it in? And when did you say, have you heard? We need somebody to listen, don't we? Good ears are one of the safety valves of this world. Sometimes we just need to tell somebody. Otherwise, where is that pent-up joy or frustration or confusion or anger going to go? Some of those sad stories of our recent national life tell the tale. Who are those mass murderers who choose college classrooms or children's playgrounds to enact their misguided rage? In the aftermath, as news outlets spin the story 24-7, almost without exception, we learn that the per perpetrator was a loner. How much difference would it have made in any of those sad tragedies had just one set of listening ears been available? Had there been someone to talk to? Someone who was really able to hear. Recently, I was introduced to someone, and after chatting for just a few minutes, 
he said, it's nice to meet you, Russ. Have a good day. And the fact that he remembered my name really struck me. Just after a couple of minutes in conversation, he was listening. So often we are not. We say, oh, I'm just terrible with names. But it's not like anybody is asking us to remember their social security number and their cell phone number and their email address. Just a name. Sue, Andy, Russ. The excuse has become acceptable. I'm just terrible with names. But the truth is, most of the time, we just aren't listening. And that's not acceptable. It is not difficult, but you do have to work on it. Thursday evening, I was taking my boat out of the water up at Lake James. My five friends and I had gathered for preacher camp, as I've told you. We had spent another productive week at the Veyu's beautiful home there, working morning and evening, enjoying the afternoon with our families. Dr. John Ballinger had gone with me to take the boat out, and as we pulled up, I noticed another inboard ski boat in the slip next to me. A husky man with a friendly voice spoke as I turned off the boat. You get some good pulls in today, he asked. He was talking about pulling on a tight rope, slalom turns on nice flat water. I replied, absolutely. Though the only pulling I had done that day had been behind the wheel of the boat, pulling kids endlessly across the wake on that inner tube. When I got out of the boat, I walked over and in introduced myself, and we talked ski shop for a few minutes. You know, boat hulls and horsepower and skis and wakeboards. And when I left, he said to me, nice to meet you, Russ. Maybe I'll see you around sometime and we can catch a few turns together. I dittoed his wish, and I hope if I see his blue ski supreme on the lake next time, I'll remember Andy Grant by his name. It makes a difference. Listening to someone is like an answer to prayer. A prayer they may not even know they are praying. How well do you listen? It's been an eventful year for the preachers of Preacher Camp. Each summer when we gather, we spend the week reviewing the lectionary. Uh, but just as important as that work, we spend time catching up with each other, just listening. Each one, in turn, is asked to share the events of their year, the joys and the challenges of ministry in our own setting. This year, two of my friends have moved. Doris Ann Cooper from Lakeshore Baptist in Waco, Texas, to Watt Street Baptist, just off the campus of Duke University. And Amy Butler from Calvary Baptist in Washington, D.C., to the Riverside Church in New York City. We have followed the progress of those search committees, lending listening ears through our Facebook group and offering words of advice and encouragement, but it was good to hear them share their stories in person. Both of those are significant moves, good churches with rich histories, but the Riverside Church in New York City is one of the most prominent in this country. The morning after Amy Butler accepted the call, she was interviewed on the Today Show and by Time Magazine and the New York Times. The following week, she received a note of congratulations from former President Bill Clinton, who had announced his run for the presidency in the chapel of Riverside Church. 
maybe not coincidentally, Hillary Clinton is scheduled to be at Riverside in the next few weeks. One of Amy's first duties when she begins there will be to preside over a memorial service for Maya Angelou. And the date of her installation had to be postponed because the Dalai Lama needed to use the building that day. Amy's office is on the 19th floor of that church building and she has PR people and handlers and wardrobe people, a staff of 200, a budget of 15 million, an endowment of 170 million dollars. It's a big deal having been called to be the pastor of such a church. Her preacher camp friends are calling her Pope of America these days, <laughs> but that's not her official title. We had lots to hear about as Amy shared her story. She told us all about the listening she had to do before accepting this call. As the process narrowed and she knew she was on the short list, she flew in a group of her friends to Washington and asked them to sit with her to listen to listen to her spiritual director guide a conversation and to talk with her about this challenge so she would be prepared to give an answer should that search committee invite her to become the church's first female pastor. Amy Dean was among those listeners who flew to Washington. Amy and the head of the United Church of Christ and the dean of the cathedral in Washington and one of the advisors to the president. He introduced himself as one of the advisors to the president and Amy said, the, which president? And he said, the president of the United States. Their job as a group was to listen to Amy Butler and to help her to listen. They spent a day together talking to one another listening to each other, listening for a voice of wisdom and truth to emerge in that process. Amy Butler is a divorced mother of three children, two of whom are still in high school. She said that in their family conversations about this opportunity, they had decided that should she be called to Riverside and if she should decide to answer that call, her two high schoolers would stay in D.C live with their father and finish school there. During that round of listening with her colleagues, Amy Dean says when it was her time to talk, she said to Amy Butler, I think what you called me here to say is there's no way I could do that. There's no way I would leave my boys for their last three years in high school. I couldn't do it. I've only got a few more years with them and I'm going to finish strong. Amy went on to say that she knew that her situation and Amy Butler's situation were different and she was not suggesting that Amy Butler would be wrong to make a different decision, but what she was clear about was that that was not the decision she would make. And she needed to say that. And Amy Butler needed to hear it. I've been so impressed at that whole experience as Amy Butler shared it. The deliberate talking, the intentional listening, 
whether she agreed, whether she disagreed, the intentional talking and listening, how often are we that purposeful in our conversation? So much of our talk is frivolous chatter about entertainment or hollow banter about politics. To whom do you really talk? And when is the last time you thoughtfully listened? In an article entitled, Deep Listening, an Experimental Friendship, Mary Rose O'Reilly, who is a college professor, tells of a friendship she developed with a pastor named Peter. They developed this friendship in an effort to learn to listen to one another. And she says that after six years of weekly conversations, most an hour or more at a time, and no romantic involvement here, just listening, she said after six years, she began to learn to listen. Six years. She summarizes what she learned in that experiment in part by saying, one can, I think, listen someone into existence. One can listen someone into existence, encourage a stronger self to emerge or a new talent to flourish. Good teachers listen this way, as do terrific grandfathers and similar heroes of the Spirit. My friend Kyle Matthews sings it well, I think. Someone is praying a prayer that even I can answer. But I believe those prayers need to be in quotation marks because they are seldom prayers offered on bended knee in the sanctuary with head bowed and hands folded. So often, if we are listening, you can hear the prayer in everyday conversation. Hurts, needs, wishes, dreams, people share them all the time. And some of those prayers we can answer. The question is, can I hear you now? May it be so.